I am Jerry, I'm supposed to love it either. Okay, now what am I going to talk about? There's that part. Um, so, this morning I was thinking while um, Carol was reading and the thought crossed my mind, like, I'm so bored with my particular recovery, I think I'm just going to, you know, tell someone else's story this morning. Because I've told Mike so many times. But alas, that is not how this works. Um, so I uh, was trying to write down on this form when I came into OA, and it looks like 1999. That's what we're currently doing with. Um, I didn't get abstinence until 2000, though. So this is 2013. No, that math is right. Somehow that math is wrong. Anyway, I have 12 years in some quantity of abstinence, and I've been in here for 13 and some quantity of years. Um, so there's a, a year between when I came in and when I got abstinence. Um, I um, like food. I like it a lot. Uh, it maybe doesn't like me quite as much. Um, it's like that bad relationship that I'm stuck in, you know, and have been for a very long time. And um, I, I am someone who has always had that relationship with food. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know the time when I didn't think about food more than I perceived normal people thought about food. Um, I then to deal with the consequences of that, the physical consequences. Um, which is the increasing size of my body, um, I started dieting. And I started dieting from about puberty, which for me was like 6th, 7th grade, somewhere in there. And I dieted from there until I came into OA. And let's face it, that included the first year I was in OA. I was just on the new diet with all new people. Um, and I thought that that was abstinence. So I thought that was all I had known. So how do you go from being cuckoo pants to being not cuckoo pants? Like, that process, it doesn't happen in the blink of an eye, in my experience. Some people are more, you know, something. <laughs> um, so, I also did a lot of exercise to try to hide the effects of the disease. Um, and that went on from probably, I don't know, some point in high school, also up until I came into the room. Um, the form of that exercise would change, would change as the form of the diet would also change, depending on like what was in vogue at the moment, or what I thought was going to give me the best results, or something like that. Um, and it was, uh, there was, by, by the end, it was a lot of exercise. It was like, I think it was probably around 21 hours a week, um, which, you know, is a significant quantity of time to waste in one's life. Um, and the funny thing was, doing that, being on a diet, always, and exercising 21 hours a week, I was about 10 pounds heavier than I am now. So, my experience is that exercise did not solve my problem, not my compulsive reading problem. You know, I now, like, I, for me, when I came into recovery, I had to stop exercising for a while um, because it was, I had abused it too much. I no longer had the right. And, uh, you know, eventually I would, I, I would try to take it back and think, like, it's good for you, it's really good for you. And I would seriously be in a place where I believed I wasn't trying to make it something and, you know, get skinny on the fly. Like, I was, I, you know, I saw my older relatives dying from heart problems. And I thought, probably exercise might help that. And so I tried to control it and make it happen. And I started wanting more food. So I kind of came to realize, and I've done the same thing with food in this program, where I'm like, this food is better for my longevity or for this health reason, and then I think I can control it now because it's for a good reason. And yet, I still cannot control it, and I have to, once again, surrender. Like, oh yeah, that's right. If something greater than me wants me to be able to do this physical thing, then it will happen. 
and I can't make that happen any more than I can make myself be sane with food. Um, if there are, you know, more longevity geared food choices that need to be made, I can't make that happen. That has to be done by something greater than me. Um, because I'm powerless over food. That's why I'm here, because I'm powerless over food. Um, what that looks like was a whole lot of, um, a whole lot of self-hatred, um, but I would never have known that. That was so interesting, because the further I dig into the, the disease, you know, the more I find out what I actually believe, not the, like, you know, the sparkle that I tell myself I believe. Like, I get to figure out, oh, I actually hate myself. I thought I thought it was pretty cool, but apparently I do not. You know, like, there's, late, you know, it's the peeling of the onion, like, I get to, as I dig deeper and as the drug is removed, I get in contact with what I actually believe to be true about the universe, about myself, about whatever. And, you know, right now I'm in this process where I am, I seem to be discovering that my higher power is way kinder than I thought possible, is way more generous than I thought possible. Um, you know, I, I think I had taps on God, like, okay, higher power, you can be like that amount of good or helpful or whatever, but then like, well, let's not get crazy, like, they'll just show off, you know. Like, I need to suffer, my people suffer. Um, and, and it's like, what if, what if that isn't the case? What if I'm wrong? Um, and that is turning out to be as revolutionary, you know, as anything else that I'm, I've learned or I'm learning in the program. Um, so that's the truth. Uh, so there's a lot of um, a lot of hating my body, a lot of hating my physical form, thinking it was wrong, thinking that it had been built incorrectly, thinking that it should have been somewhere else, that she got the better deal, that if only I had done, if only I got those, if only I purchased these, if only I, you know, somehow I would be right. I would be right, you know, right, like right in the world, okay, good enough, lovable, having, you know, an acceptable career, an acceptable world, like, Everything would be right if I could just have her body, you know, plus maybe a tweet here or there. <laughs> um, and, you know, the funny thing was, like, I could, fairly, I feel like a long time before I came into OA, I could look at other bodies in many different shapes and organizations and, you know, and be like, wow, she's kind of hot. Like, that's kind of hot. Like, all different forms of it. But then it wasn't okay for me. Like, they could be like that, but I had to be this other thing. Like, you know, it's, it's the form of self, self-centeredness where it's like people would, um, you know, say negative things about someone and I thought they were secretly talking about me. Like, they're trying to save my feelings, but in fact, when she says that, you know, that girl needs more conditioner, she's talking about my hair. Like, you know, all, like crazy, crazy, crazy. It's all about me. The negative's about me. The positive's probably less often about me. Um, but, you know, there were also, like, you know, the big book talks about grandiosity, like there was, you know, and then I shall change the entire world. Like, now I get to watch my fantasies and like, oh, look, I'm on a plane and I'm saving everyone on the plane today. What is that about, you know? Like, I get to watch my own fantasies and like, oh, I'm fighting with strangers in my mind today who aren't even here, like, I'm alone. And then, you know, I get to learn from my own fantasy about what's actually going on beneath the surface, which... I had no, I had no awareness of because I was high all the time. I'm going to keep saying because I was high all the time. Food is a readily available drug. It is legal. It is very inexpensive. And you can also spend a ton of money on it, which I have also done. Um, you know, any kind of day or night, it is acquirable, you know. And that made it quite useful. And it also made it quite hard because there's no bottoming out. You know, I can always have it. 
And when I can't have it, then I can fantasize about it. How am I going to get it? How am I going to prepare it? And then the flip of that is I can have the, the self-hatred, which is part of the same thing. Um, you know, I should change. How am I going to... I love plans. I love plans. really love plans. I love schedules. I love to do this. I love organize. Like, I love that stuff. And so I'm like, well, if I have this many power factors, whatever thing is currently whatever I'm doing, you know, and then I exercise this much, then this thing will happen by this, or, you know, I used to um, recite the foods I had over and over again obsessively every day because I would think, like, I have to remember. And from a fairly, like, again, way before program, some part of me knew I had a problem with remembering. And that was, like, shockingly way dead on. And I didn't understand how way dead on that was until I came into here and was here for a while, because I do have a problem with remembering. You know, they were talking about, like, in that, there's this, in the story of deciding Fred, it talks about strange mental blind spots, which is, and I read that and I was like, uh-oh. Oh, damn. How did these alcoholics write a book about me? You know, like, there's this phenomenon where I know why I'm not going to binge. I know how I'm going to eat sanely. Everything is lined up. I'm going to do this exercise. We got it all. It's locked down. And then a strange mental blind spot. I think of it as being very similar to, like, um, you know, why I perceive, like, a fever to be. I just enter this other place. And then I am binging. And then I suddenly awake from that and realize that I've been binging. And it is, it is, uh, it can be more apparently conscious than that, but there are moments where it's like, wait, didn't I just say that I wasn't going to do this? Or like, didn't I just eat some vast quantity of food and now I'm in physical pain and I was like, I don't want another piece of food ever. I'm in pain. I hurt. I don't want it. And then I proceed to hurt myself more. You know, sometimes I would hurt myself more. Um, because I couldn't get away from the craving, I had to do it. And sometimes I would hurt myself more. Um, this is again, it appears to have more control, but it doesn't really. Because I wanted to punish myself for having bitch. Like you will finish it now. You're gonna suffer. Like I will make you have pain because you were bad. Like that. Like ah, put it in. Put it in. Suffer. Suffer. So much of this disease is about like I will hurt myself. I will, I will escape from pain outside and I will hurt myself in the world. Um, you know, like, I will hate my body. I will look, I heard it. Thank you. Um, thank you very much. I hear it. Um, I, you know, I will, like, when I'm, when I'm by myself, like, I will think horrible thoughts about my body. I will, um, you know, whatever, like, a lot of, a lot of self-hurting. Um, which again, I wouldn't have, if you had said, like, do you hate yourself? Or you, do you hurt yourself? I'd be like, what? No, I'm totally great with that. Um, and that's the phenomenon, that's part of the phenomenon of this disease for me as well, that I can't perceive accurately. You know, I feel like, um, you know, when I, the thing that always strikes me is like, if, if there are two cars to walk between, I don't know if I'm going to fit. Like, I'm not sure, like, do I, am I going to have to turn to fit through them? Do I have to, like, lift up? Like, can I just walk like this? I don't understand the size I am. And that is something that it hasn't, you know, it still remains in recovery. Like, I'll go away on, you know, long, extravagant trips where it's like buffet Obama and they're feeding us, like, little veal calves. Like, and I, you know, I'll get back and I'm like, I feel like I must have gained some weight. It's, in the beginning of this program, I did not get on a scale. I could not. I had given up the right to that as well. So I didn't get on the scale for at least the first three, four, I don't know how many quantity years. And then at some point, it became um, a tool 
for sanity. It became something that instead of like, I will get on this thing and control the number I see or be affected by the number I see, it became a like, what is my spiritual fitness? Oh, I'm spiritually fit. Oh, I'm less spiritually fit. Like, and it became a call to action as opposed to a call to self-hatred and control. Um, and that, you know, that for today it works for me. Sometimes, you know, I'm a little more you know, and then I'm like, okay, maybe you don't have to get on it right now. And sometimes I do, and, you know, whatever, it, it is what it is. And, um, you know, generally speaking, in recovery, like, that number has stayed the same for a large number of years, like, remarkably the same. Um, I mean, clothes just keep on pretty. God. Um, so that, I don't know, it, it's a... Being in recovery, I find, is a very strange process. Like, it's not, it is not at all what I thought it would be. I, I came in, and everybody was talking about God and crying and holding it. Like, that's my, the standard, like, that's what it always, that's the memory to me. Um, and I remember very, very little from being in early recovery because I was still really hot. And, uh, you know, eventually, like, my mind started clear, um, you know, through working steps. Like, let me not forget that part. Oh, yeah, how did it happen? Um, I worked some stuff. I got a sponsor. Oh, well, first, I came to meetings, and I didn't really get it, and I kept trying to figure out what the diet was or what, what the secret juju was everyone had that made the diet work this time. And um, I, I just kept coming back. And that was such a piece of grace that I had the willingness to keep coming back that I just had the willingness to keep coming back over and over and over. I didn't get it. I didn't know what was happening. It wasn't working. And I just kept coming back. And I had the willingness to raise my hand and talk in meetings because I clearly do not have a problem with talking. Um, and then, you know, I was not willing to work the steps. Um, I was not willing to get a sponsor. Uh, I, I, I didn't, I don't think I used the phone. Uh, I didn't really write. What else didn't I do? I, maybe I was, maybe I practiced anonymity. Um, so you didn't have to say that to them. But you know what I mean? Like, I pretty much did the, the, you know, self-study program. I got the work- workbook and I read all the literature like an excellent little student. And, um, I thought it was very interesting for someone else. And, uh, you know, I just kept coming back though. And somehow or other, I got, I heard, I started hearing. And I started, my hearing started to make me desperate enough to see myself. Um, and it started to, it started to sink in that I actually wasn't in control and that the food really wasn't up to me. In spite of all the lies I had about how it was up to me and how I really was in control, um, it started to become more and more clear that that was not true, that um, that was just a lie that I was clinging to. And, you know, as that progressed, then I got that I was powerless. So in retrospect, my, my whole first year was about powerlessness. Oh, I, I am pow- I'm really powerless. Like, I'm not, like, powerless to think powerless. You know, I'll say I'm powerless, but let's hope that I'm not really. Like, I am actually powerless. I, every inch of my body, I've given up all my excuses about why I need to eat this food. I've given up all the lies. And I'm here with the food, and I really, really, really don't want to be eating it. It's not sane. And here I am eating it. That, that is a profound piece of information. That my body will not protect me from itself. That is, that is a profound revelation. And that's a hard one to get in there because it's like, what? <laughs> you know? And so, 
once that happens, then I become willing. I become willing to seek outside of myself for something to fix it because I'm powerless. And sometimes, like the program would start to work in early recovery. Is that the time? Okay. Um, sometimes it would start to work and the food would start to lift. And I would think, well, I don't really know how much food. I probably don't need this program after all. You know, that's the trick of it. My brain's like, you don't need it. You don't need it. You don't need it. You know, and then I would go back to like, maybe I can just have a little more. <laughs> and then like waking up like, what the, what, like how the, and going through that again and again and again and again. It's like I had to keep smashing my own head against the wall, you know, until it stopped in there. And not just here. It had to get to here. And that process, like, this seems like such a short little distance, doesn't it? How much time do you need to speak um, I have one hand on my head and one on my heart. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, so there's something about like that, like getting it, getting it, getting it, and then with that comes a blessed desperation that suddenly I am willing to ask someone to help me, which was like, no, I asked someone to help me. And then the first person I had who I asked to help me, it didn't work out. That's also, I always forget that part of my story. I forget that. But it, my first sponsor, it's like it worked a little bit, but it really didn't work out. And then that went, that, you know, flows away. And then I found my sponsor. And, uh, you know, he was this guy who was anorexic. And, uh, you know, it was not what I was told to get. But some, he was willing. He said, like, do you have a sponsor? And I said, no. And he said, do you want one? And I said, you know, they say to find something, how's it you want? And I don't know what I want. And he said, just get a temporary sponsor. How about a temporary sponsor? And I asked him, and he happened to be available because he was the right person for me. I'd asked another one because he cried a lot, and I thought that was really amazing. But the cried. That was my big profound thinking, like, my life is going to change. I know. You know, it's like this weird one person. Anyway, she's a lovely person. She's still recovering, but that was my reason. Um... And so I, I ended up getting this guy who didn't give me his opinion, which uh, took me a long time to learn that lesson as a sponsor, really, really, really long. You know, he didn't give me his opinion. He just was like, okay, I don't really, I mean, he said this in a nice way, but ultimately how I look at it is, like, I don't want to hear about your problems. I don't want to hear about your life. I want to give you what I've been given, which is a step. Like, you can do all that other stuff with other people. But what I have and what is my job as a sponsor is to give you the step. Period. End of story. And you know, ultimately, like I, I've come to understand the profound value of that. That you know, he, he just, we, I call him. Oh God, this man, like, I mean, thank God for the twelve step because this man gave me so many hours of his life, and now in retrospect, I understand like he was working his own program. But at the time, like this guy was talking to me an hour every day, two hours, like forever, tons of time. This guy spent on the phone with me, and he just went through the big book one word at a time. One sentence at a time, one paragraph at a time. He said, if you don't know what the word means, look it up. If it says alcoholic, you say compulsive overeater. If it says alcohol, you say food. If it says he, you say she, because you're a lady. So I, you know, I did that. I did that, and it was not going to work for me because, really, come on. Um, you know, I've done everything like this. These alcoholics were not like they had nothing. And uh, and then. 
it started to be my story. It started to be a book about me. And it was this profound thing of like, whoa, like this book is, is about me. I could have written this book where I was still in 1939. But, you know, it was that thing of like, oh my God, there's no separation between me and these alcoholics. Everything is about me. This is my story they're telling. And, you know, because of that, I start to get like, I start to get to dig through my own prejudices about why this is going to work for me and how it's not going to work for me. And, you know, when I say, but, but I have, you know, in the fourth step or in the ninth step, because here I'd been in the room, so I knew all what was coming. And he was like, you're not all on the fourth step. You're not all on the ninth step. You know nothing about those things. Like, can we just try being here now? <laughs> Which is very difficult. And, um, you know, through doing that, just like, what step am I in? I'm going to do that. What does it say in this sentence in the big book to do? I'm just going to do that. And literally by, you know, says in the beginning of the big book to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. Precisely how we have recovered. Precisely how we have recovered. That's phenomenal. I got to learn precisely how to recover. It wasn't like, you know, sort of vaguely more or less, like kind of come up with something that's like precisely how I go from being crazy to singing is in 164 pages of a book written in 1935 or 9, I don't know when I actually finished writing. But anyway, like, that's amazing. That's some phenomenal writing right there. That's some really efficient stuff. You know? And I found that it worked. And that's why I'm here 13 years later, because it worked. It worked, and it continues to work. Like, I have a life now. And my life just keeps getting bigger, and it keeps getting fuller. And that is remarkable. That doesn't mean it's like perfect for me. And oh no, I'm going to take that back. It is perfect, but it doesn't mean it's always easy. It doesn't mean that it's always like I, I never have confusion, or I never have doubt, or I'm never angry. I never drive down the car, drive to the drive on the road, crying and screaming at God and cursing. You know, because that is I plenty. There is plenty of that, and I I luckily have a higher power that I can yell at and curse. I need to curse. Sometimes I just need to curse a lot. And uh, I have a higher power that is okay with loads of cursing. And, um, you know, and that, like in the beginning, you know, I was, people would, I don't know, I heard people say, you know, okay, like, that's the time Okay. Okay. Um, there was something about, like, if, if you're going to, and the big book talks about, like, you know, a guy, a guy was going to, he wanted to go drink. So he just went and said to his wife, like, I'm going to drink, and here's the plan, and this is where I'm going to go, but that is mine. And, um, and he told her that, and then suddenly it didn't happen. So I said, God, I'm going to go eat. If you have a different plan, you better get in here, because I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to say So, thanks for letting me This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own, and not those of overeaters anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Uh, it's being recorded. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Okay, I'm, I'm going to restate the question. Let's do this. Thank you, Sarah Carey. I find my work in the wilderness has a lot to do with my cleaning up my food and forgiving in a manner that I'm proud of and things that I have with it. What's your experience with getting willing and losing, getting back? 
that? Okay, question is about willingness. Um, how do I how do I get it if it's missing an action because it's super necessary? Okay, that's paraphrase first. Um, um, I don't know if I do. I mean, I don't know if I do. I think that it happens. I think that um, I have to suffer, and then, you know, my pants have to fit a little more snugly. Really, that's it. Really, what happens is that Mama doesn't start to look so good in her clothes anymore. And then, uh, <laughs> suddenly, magically, Mama's really again. You know, I think that's a lot of it. Like, uh, you know, my higher power leaves me with just enough vanity, the defect of character vanity, to be willing when I need to. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, I definitely do the praying to be willing to be willing, or the like, guess what, I'm not willing, higher power, you suck, so your version of the world is stupid, um, you are doing a very, very bad job of anything to plan in my life right now, so I am not And then, um, and then eventually that becomes, it's kind of like, I guess, I, for me, the thing, the important thing is keeping the dialogue going, even if the dialogue is, I'm not listening, I'm not listening, I'm not listening. Like, there's something about being, having to be where I really, really am that will eventually lead me back to willingness. Um, there's also something like my higher power um, has the operator's manual for this thing. So, uh, like, I'll get, I'll get asked to do whatever it is I don't want to do. Or somebody will, you know, I don't know, somebody will ask me a question and then it's like, oh, hmm, I'll probably take my own suggestion. You know, it's that. It's something, it's, it's, it's definitely something greater than me and then I have to, I have to pray and suffer. How do you shift from fear to faith? How do I shift from fear to faith? Um, again, much suffering. Suffering, suffering, more suffering. Um, there's, I mean, there's a, there's a part of the big book that, I mean, is, I have to be, I have to be suffering enough to be willing to actually do the work, because why just do the work and be happy when I can go through, you know, torment for a long time, and then eventually be released in like three and a half minutes from my suffering. Why can't you do this? Um, so, I'll, basically how that process happens is that uh, in the big book on page 68, 69, um, I think it's 68, it says we do a fear inventory, and I do a fear inventory. Um, it says, you know, what am I afraid of? This thing, why am I afraid of it? I use the same, you know, five column format I do on the other. What am I afraid of? Like, why am I afraid of it? Like, what am I, what am I afraid of losing, or what am I afraid I'm not going to get? Um, like, what's going to happen if the fear comes to you? bad things am I trying to avoid? And then what, what parts of my being are being affected by it? Is it my, you know, is it my self-esteem, my personal relations, sex relations, blah, 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 all that stuff. And then I go back and I do the fear prayers after that because it says we pray at that point. God, please remove my fear and direct my attention to what you would have me do. God, please demonstrate for me what you can do. And then I look at what's my part, physically, emotionally, spiritually. How am I... How am I clinging to this fear? How am I, like, am I doing things in the world to make me, like, if I'm afraid of getting run over by a truck, then probably I shouldn't run out of traffic. Like, that would be a physical thing. An emotional thing is like, um, you know, like, I am, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm engaging in tons of negative self-talk or, uh, or whatever. Um, and then a spiritual thing is, I'm, I think I run it. I think I know better than God. I don't trust God's time. That's a huge one. I don't trust God's time. Like, I think God is slow. 
So hurry up, hurry up. Um, so that I think that's the, that's how it happens, and then it just is time existing again. It's head to heart. Like I don't get to control that. I don't get to control how much pain I have to be in before I'm willing to take action. I don't get to control um, really much of anything. Like all I do is I I I do that inventory when the willingness comes, and then miraculously I'm able to pick up spiders and carry them outside. So that's a better Questions about um, don't we have to plan plan your exercise and plan your food like along the lines of the cool, fail to plan plan fail that yeah um, for me it happened again everyone has their own experience for me um, planning there are levels like there's there's a level of planning where I'm telling God how the universe is going to work and God better get on board. And then there's a level of planning that's me shutting up and listening and saying, God, how's the universe going to work? Help me, help me get in line with your plan. And uh, I have to be in that, the second one. I have to be in the, hey, my employer, how are we going to spend the day today? Hey, playmate God, what are we going to play today? Like, it has to be in that spot for me. Because I, I abuse control to such an extent that I no longer get to play with that. That's no longer a toy I can play with. Um, so for me, it's, the best thing is that it, it always, I mean, I have a plan of eating, but my plan of eating, my plan of eating is that I eat when I'm hungry and I don't eat when I'm not hungry. And that when my stomach growls, I'm hungry. And if my stomach's not growling, I'm not hungry. It has to be, for me, because I've gone to, you know, so many sides of this, it has to be that physical, literal, and simple. Um, and the exercise thing is just a lot of praying, and eventually God gives me the willingness to do something safe and healthy and sane and peaceful and fun. It has to be fun. I can't suffer. I can't. I can't choose suffering when it comes to food and body anymore. Um, but it's, it's honestly, it's working steps. Like I mean, that's the result. But the how that happens for me is by working the steps. It's the most illogical process ever. This program is so frustratingly illogical. Like I do the steps, and then my body changes. What? That makes no sense. It makes no sense. But um, somehow it works, regardless of whether or not it makes sense. When I stopped, when I stopped caring about my body and my weight, God gave me the body I wanted. But not until then. You know, I, I, this was such a profound part of my early recovery. Like, I, when I took the third step, to get to the third step, I had to say, God, I will be any size you want. And I mean it. And it, oh, it makes me want to cry. Because, like, that speaks to the level of desperation. It was like, if you need me to be that 800-pound person, I'm okay. Just take it. I can't anymore. Like, the suffering was that deep. And once I did that, like, the profound quantity of freedom came. And 
you know, miraculously my clothes started to shrink, but it's like it does in the big book. Like, sometimes a newcomer doesn't know what's happening. Other people know they're And then at some point later, I noticed that I had shrunk, but it wasn't because of me. Uh, thanks. Um, when and how did you stop uh, comparing your insides to other people's outside? And if that comes up again, is there a certain tool that you use to kind of yeah. Okay. The question is, when did I stop comparing my insights to other people's outsides? And if it comes up again, um, then what do I do? Um, when that happens, I will totally let you know. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, the truth is that there are good days and there are bad days. Like sometimes, you know, there are days when I'm like, "Wheel, awesome! There's bounty in the world, and like, and everything is good, and I'm good, and I'm hot, and you people are all hot, and how do you all get so damn hot?" You know, and then there are other days where I'm like, I am very unattractive, and I am sad, and my life is not enough, and like, why don't I have, you know, the pretty pony and the showy blah blah, you know, why don't I have the stuff that you're supposed to have, that you're supposed to have, like, that's the game, you know, and it just, it ebbs and flows, and, and I guess how it changes is that, um, I work the steps, you know, it can be boring and keep repeating the same boring things, but I work the steps, like, I do, you know what, I'm, I'm doing now, like, because it says resentment is the number one offender and fear is a corroding thread, so it's like, and then we do a sex inventory, but the implication is like, no, lots of other things, you can inventory. And so I'm doing lots of other inventories, like I'll do jealousy inventories and shame inventories and regret inventories and um, superiority inventories and uh, whatever, like anything that's giving me trouble, comparison inventories, like whatever, whatever. And I use the same five-column format, and I make up a new prayer if one doesn't exist, and somehow it lifts. Like, that's why I love this program. It's effective. I'm obsessed with efficiency and effectiveness, and this program works. Okay. <laughs> what that um, Thank you for your share. Um, you've been daily rituals, and if so, throughout the years, have they changed? Do I have any daily rituals, and if so, throughout the years, have they changed? Yes, um, they change radically. Um, in the beginning, my daily ritual was that um, I said the steps. I said the steps up to my level of experience. So if I was working step one every day, I said step one, and whatever prayers went with it. And then as I as I added bundles more steps, like I eventually was saying all twelve steps and all the prayers that went with them every day. Um, then at some point, I got bored. Not like that. I wish I could say it was more complicated than that, but I just got bored of it, and I like somehow it would be like midnight, and I'd be on step seven. I'm like, oh damn, I forgot to say the rest of the steps. Like I got distracted or something. So sometimes I do that. Usually before I speak, I do that process um, just to get me back to the simplicity. When I'm struggling, I go back to that because it works. Um, other than that, it's kind of like no, honestly, like I, I it, it changes. It's kind of like um, the toolbox. Uh, like right now I'm writing every day, you know, and that's working for me. I mean, I pray a lot, but that's not really a tool. Um, it just kind of changes. It kind of, I mean, it, it kind of changes. Like, it, whatever, like if I'm, whatever I'm building that day needs a different tool maybe than the tool I needed the day before. So it just shifts and I, I gave up, like, I should be using this tool more. Why don't I use that tool more? You know, it's kind of like, whatever tool I need is the tool I need. And it and the willingness comes for whatever tool that is. So, um, oh yeah, whatever that's for. Uh, thank you for your reading. 
Can you talk a bit how the program has worked in your close family and friends relationship? Yes. Can I talk about how the program has worked in my close family and friends relationship? Um, Ooh, I I did not have I I saw my family a lot my parents my family my parents let's face it we're talking about my parents um, you know and I I didn't necessarily respect them especially my mom I did not respect my mother um, I had so many versions of how she should be and you know what she was doing wrong it's like that story in the big book like I was so focused on how she was failing as a human being. And um, I did my step, and you know I had this whole version of how my ninth step was going to go, and it was terrifying. And I made my ninth step amends to her way, way longer. I delayed that one for years and years and years and years. Like I put that one off so long, um, but then eventually the day came when I, when the willingness was there, and I made the amends. And it wasn't in person; it was on the phone, which wasn't perfect enough. But I had the willingness, and I was like, I'm just going. Let's go. And um, with nothing that I had thought. My mom was like, that's lovely, dear. Would you like to talk to your grandmother? <laughs> and she was sort of like, oh, yeah, we've all done some things that aren't great. It was like, ah, you know, get me away from that. Um, which was not how I thought. I thought there was going to be crying, meaningful, something. No, it didn't happen that way. And uh, once I released her, she released me. Like something very profound altered at that point, and it had always been like, like I was so busy hating her and judging her, there was like a desperation in her to not be hated and judged. And once I was like, I'm an asshole, and you are this amazing, beautiful woman, and I'm so grateful. And I could see like the phenomenal parts of her. She released me, and suddenly she didn't need anything from me anymore. And like. I, I love my parents now. Like, I go on three-week, month-long vacations with my parents where we're, like, on a boat. And it's, you know what I mean? Like, I hang out with them a lot. We have fun together now. Um, so it is profoundly, permanently altered. That's not to say that around day four, sometimes I'm not like, i got to go to the bathroom and pray a lot right now. Trying to do some quickie four steps in my brain. Like, there are those moments, but by and large, like, I love my parents. I respect them. I think they did a phenomenal job of parenting me and my brother. I'm so grateful for everything they gave me. And I am at total peace with the fact that they are only human. And kids are effing exhausting. Like, you know, I, I, so that's pretty profound. With my friendships, like, I have friends now. Like, I don't have to save them or fix them. I don't have to... I get to just be, and I get to be open, and I get to be honest, and I get to be very imperfect, and I get to do it badly and learn through that process. Like, you know, you know, there are people in this room who can tell you sometimes how incredibly ungraceful I can be, and um, you know, they love me anyway. And that is that that gentility. Like, I mean, I do it so badly sometimes, and. I get to learn. I get to be a person, and I get to make amends, and I get to, you know, just keep being a person. I found that like I, I'm reconnecting with old friends that I love and I've fallen out of touch with in a much deeper way. My friend, one of my oldest college friends, her dad died yesterday. And first of all, that I feel, oh, what a gift! I never used to feel. I couldn't feel for myself. How can I feel for her? And I love this woman, and it's, it is part of life, and it's sad. And. Um, that I don't have to fix it for her and tell her how to be okay because I learned that here. Like, 
I get to listen and shut up and be a loving witness, and I learn that here, and I get to be that, you know, to other people, and that, that's a remarkable gift. So. And that is all we have. <laughs>